Are you in good hands? Before I get on to um, what I want to talk with Chris about, as we welcome you to this 457th uh, episode of Unscripted with uh, Chris and I, we are here. Hope you are well. Um, I just have to make a general comment on insurance companies. Oh, no. I'll be back in 20. (laughs) Yeah. You can go take a break if you want. No, I'm not going to go that long. All I'm saying is there's one, there's a couple words that I will not say, even on Unscripted. But when I get done with this diatribe, I believe you'll be able to figure out what I'm going, where I'm going with this. Um, As some of you may know, um, I have had a bit of a uh, interesting scenario happen at my house a couple weeks ago. Coincidentally enough, right after the Packers got their ass kicked in the NFC Championship game against San Francisco 49ers, as if to pour a little bit more salt in an open wound, the my basement ceiling exploded from a water main pipe that burst, um, that was down from my uh, kitchen sink. And so after the restoration people have got in and done their thing and yada, 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 and contractors have come in to give me estimates on how to rebuild my basement, I've been dealing with my insurance company. And I would like to say that my insurance company, I have been a loyal subscriber to their service since, oh, let's see, I've owned this house since 2007. I changed, I switched insurance companies when I moved into this house, put the car Both cars and the house on this insurance policy have been with them since 2007. So that's 13 years with these these group of jackals. And in that 13 years, I have not had one claim. No accidents, uh, nothing happened to the house, no property damage, uh, nothing. There have been zero claims. So my insurance premiums, which I pay every November 1st, have been the same, except for obviously industry uh, markups, which happen seemingly every year, but the base rate has stayed the same. They send us Christmas cards because we're such good clients and we pay on time and we pay in full and blah, 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 blah. Here's my problem. For anybody that has gone through an insurance claim and had this kind of scenario happen to you, I now empathize with you and see why people bitch, gripe, and complain about insurance companies all the time. Instead of being there to help, like the State Farm guy with the helping hands, it might as well be a helping hands with a bag full of shit in it because that's the way you get treated. I am variably, very, not variably, I am very frustrated by dealing with my insurance company. And I'd hate to see what had happened if this was, let's say, our third claim and where our insurance rates would be. I can tell you this, as soon as I settle with this insurance company, I will be looking for my next insurance provider because this has been an unbelievably destructive relationship. Nickel and diamond over nickels and dimes, basically. And uh, all I need to say 
to the insurance company that I'm dealing with, and I won't give them the satisfaction of naming their name here on Unscripted, but all I'm going to say is when, again, as I mentioned in episode 456, when Chris and I get our respective T-shirts with, uh, Chris's will say, shut the fuck up on it, and mine will say, uh, what will mine say again? Go fuck yourself. There we go. This insurance company will get an extra large from me. That's all I'm going to say. Um, as we welcome you to this 457th episode of Unscripted. It's, a, it's, 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 it's um, what's the word? It's when um, it, it's like, um, oh, crap. Um, I'm at a loss of words, and that doesn't happen very often. Um, well, maybe it should happen more often is what maybe some of you people are saying. Um, I get that. But it's almost um, therapeutic. Oh, cathartic. You cathartic is the word I'm looking that's for. What you're God damn it, you're smart. But therapeutic, cathartic, when I can get this off my chest. It's better I bitch at you guys, or to you guys, not at you guys. It's better I bitch to you guys than my wife and kids at home. So... I'll just continue to bitch with you guys. The worst company I've ever dealt with in my life is ICBC, uh, dealing with them for car insurance in British Columbia. Wow. What really? a What a garbage crap. A- ask anyone in BC what they think of ICBC. ICBC? And my, and my experience is even worse, because it's all government out there, right? Like most oh, provinces. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. You have to, and so they have a monopoly. They don't give a shit about anything. They don't care about customer service or anything else. They just do whatever they want and charge whatever they want, and they're just absolute garbage. I do like the Allstate guy. Are you in good hands? Yeah. Yeah. I like that guy. But you know what? When I see Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, well, I need, excuse me, now I need to put it in proper sequence. Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Wow. When I see those guys making way too much money on State Farm, all I want to do is just lay a bag of shit in their hands. Yeah. It's really what I want to do. I mean, this has just been every perceived personification that you have, any thoughts that you have, about the slime balls that are running insurance companies, I've encountered over the last three weeks. That's all I'm going to say. It's just a shit show. What would happen if I wouldn't have paid my premiums? They'd have forgotten me. And then what would have happened? Wow. A um, lot of things to talk about. We have the upcoming National Hockey League uh, trading deadline, which is February 24th. This last week, Thursday of this week, February 6th, we had the trade deadline in the NBA. I want to talk about both of those, but I want to start with the National Hockey League. Um, And again, trading deadline is February 24th. I'm going to ask Chris. There are some, both Chris and I are huge fans of Elliot Friedman, the information guy uh, for Sportsnet Canada and Hockey Night in Canada, but a very, very uh, this guy's tuned in, man. He's got he's got cameras and and microphones in people's showers. I think with the information that he comes up with, and God damn it, most of the time he is right on. And in advance of this February twenty fourth trading deadline, both Elliot Friedman and a writer that Canadians are familiar with. I'm st- I'm tired of listening to the writers of ESPN in the states because they don't know shit. They don't know the game. Mm-hmm. They really don't. I'm sorry. To Greg Wyshynski and Ele- Emily Kaplan of ESPN, I saw the Nashville Predators play this week, and they may sneak into the playoffs if they can play the Calgary Flames 18 more times, but 
one of those two limp dicks, and I'm obviously only talking about one of them because one of them's name is Emily. Um, but there's no way that the Nashville Predators are going to win the Stanley Cup. There's no way. There's no way. They beat the Calgary Flames, but I think Chris and I could get five, six guys together and beat the Calgary Flames this time. And all we'd have to do is just let Johnny Goodell, Johnny Goudreau just sit on the sidelines because he's absolutely worthless. But I don't want, I want to digress. I don't want to talk about that piece of crap. He's going to be playing for the New Jersey Devils or the New York Rangers or the Philadelphia Flyers next year. He's not going to be here anyway. So that's a good thing. Um, NHL trading deadline. Elliot Friedman and the other guy, Pierre Lebrun. Canadians know Pierre Lebrun from his days of working at TSN. He's now working for a magazine called The Athletic. He's a very reputable hockey writer. I like his stuff. He's a fair writer, but he gets his point across. They have come up with some beliefs and some rumors on the street that they have heard. I am going to relay them to Chris. If he wants to comment, fine. If he doesn't, fine. And uh, I will have a comment about it as well. First one on their list that these guys believe, and it's a combination of both of them. So just, I'm not going to reintroduce them each time. These are what these two guys are hearing on the street. Let's simplify it. Let's dummy it up. Let's pretend, let's pretend Johnny Menzel's in the room. Okay. We got to do this with crayons just for Johnny, just for Johnny. I like that. That should be a new segment just for Johnny. The dumbest things in sports (laughs) just for Johnny. Canucks, the Vancouver Canucks, who right now are in a playoff spot in the West, they one of these guys believes that the Canucks are interested in Devils forward Wayne Simmons. Hmm. I could see that. Sure, I could see I that mean, happen. Yeah, I mean, definitely get a get some veteran leadership. I don't think the Canucks expected to do that well this year. Correct. And so a uh, Simmons, a veteran guy, can score. He's tough. Uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, three teams, the Nashville Predators, the uh, Florida Panthers, and the Vegas Golden Knights are showing interest in L.A. defenseman Alex Mar- Alec Martinez. Yeah, the Vultures are definitely circling here when it comes to L.A. because there's a lot of guys on that team who have won the Cup or have been around, have right. been in the big games, and that experience, I think, is really helpful. And so I, I think that you're going to see guys, anytime you have a team that won a cup or two, and then those guys are on a terrible team now as that team has just eroded. Uh, yeah, you want those guys in the locker room who have who have been to the big dance and won it all. And uh, yeah, ab- absolutely, a lot of people want him. Um, this one was exclusive to Friedman, so I will give him the props on this one. Friedman is reporting that the Boston Bruins, Philadelphia Flyers, and Calgary Flames are showing interest in Tyler Toffoli. The story goes on to say that King's current head coach, Todd McClellan, wants to keep Toffoli, but management is saying more likely he gets traded before the deadline. Yeah, I, I would lean towards him not ending up being traded because McClellan and probably others would want to keep him, but exactly the same as my previous yeah. statement for the same reasons. Yeah, teams are going to want him for sure. Um, LeBron goes on to say that Rangers forward Chris Kreider sits on the top of eight teams wish wish list. I don't know much about Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider is actually a guy who I I think his first ever goal, off the top of my head, I think his first ever goal was a playoff goal. He was kind of brought up right as they were in the playoffs one year. And so I think right from the start, he's had that that same experience with not winning a cup, of course, but with uh, with big games and, and playoff games and everything. I think he's got some clutch ability 
And uh, I think he'd be appealing to a lot for uh, for a similar reason as the other two. Uh, absolutely, I think they're going to want him, but I don't know if the Rangers would want to get rid of him very easily. Yeah, okay. Um, the Bruins and Carolina Hurricanes have shown interest in San Jose Sharks defenseman Brendan Dillon. And what I can add to this before I ask for your comments, if you want to, um, I believe the Hurricanes are probably looking at this because of the broken bone or the broken leg of Dougie Hamilton, one of our favorites here in Calgary, who has done pretty well down in Carolina. But I think probably the Hurricanes are more interested in that scenario just for the fact of they probably, potentially, I should say, may have lost Dougie Hamilton for the year. Yeah, I mean, any any young defenseman who they think has a good potential is going to be on that list. I, You know, I've never really noticed Brendan Dillon I've watched lots of Sharks games he's never really stood out to me all that much but I'm not the best guy to judge him so uh yeah I'm sure those teams want him too and you're probably right due to Dougie Hamilton but in this case I don't have a strong opinion but as with pretty much any of these I will defer to any of those guys Elliot Friedman Pierre Lebrun Darren Drager Bob McKenzie all good if any of those those are the big four of hockey reporting no question and if if those if those four say anything it has been thoroughly sourced they are concerned about accuracy and they're well aware of their reputations I don't recall a single time where any of those four guys has done anything to damage their own reputations either with their personal behavior how they carry themselves correct uh misreporting things or even just being wrong I'm sure they've gotten some things wrong because someone misinformed them or something for sure but uh really those four uh, are as impeccable as it gets and it is weird to see journalism these days that's just reporting you know just the facts ma'am right right i mean you just don't you know cnn this is what journalism remember when you used to journalism this is what it looks like (laughs) final one i'll throw at you a team that's usually active at the trade deadline the pittsburgh penguins they made this list of messrs friedman and uh, lebrun the penguins have asked the minnesota wild on the availability of forward jason zucker you know, Jason Zucker is always in... His always name's always His seems... name's always there. The Oilers have been attached to him a bunch of times, and it's done like they'll... But the rumors are usually stupid. So that one, I don't know, because every time I hear his name attached to something, it's stupid. It's like, oh, the Oilers are going to offer, like, Nuge for him or something. It's like, no, they're not. That's stupid, right? So uh, Jason Zucker's always just one of those guys. He's yeah. just... It's, it's the same few free agent or you know trade bait darlings every year and for some reason I don't know some guys just get labeled like that and I almost feel bad for Jason Zucker but I mean he's he's a he's a you know nothing special as far as I'm concerned but I did want to say there's one other one please so the Oilers of all teams and a couple others are interested in Ilya Kovalchuk and uh, really yeah well he, i mean let me let me i'm sorry he he has really helped himself with his play in montreal has he not yeah well i'm pretty sure i said that on this program that that well, was a i great, know you did that but... was a great pickup i like that pickup anyway and i mentioned how uh, our buddy ryan hall said that kovalchuk had been one of the hardest working right. uh, players this year in la which was just you know that like, there was one thing he wasn't known for before right. it was that so that was crazy but clearly he's trying to make an impact in his 40s and I mean, yeah, they paid him the minimum seven hundred grand for one year, and right off the bat, he had like what seven points in a few games, something and, like that. Yeah. Right? I mean, he already paid for himself there, so I think that's a I think that's a great pickup for the Oilers if they could do that. I mean, one more sniping winger, 
Uh, that's just great. And they're, the Oilers are doing a good job of moving their lines around and they're getting use out of guys like Yamamoto comes up and he's been just rock solid on the second line with Dreisaitl and Nuge. They've been putting hardworking guys like Josh Archibald or Sam Gagne up on the top line with McDavid here and there and just checking stuff out. and Or Tyler Benson, the second round, uh, first or actually late first round pick uh, or early second round, one of the two. Uh, from a few years ago he played his first NHL game they just stuck him right on the top line with McDavid and and so to have that whole second line of Yamamoto, Dreisaitl and Nuge to have that rock solid and make that the second line with McDavid on the first line has just been so helpful for the Oilers who have been on fire since the new year and that has freed up the option where you can take guys who have some ability like Gagne used to be so good and he's getting older now but you take like a like imagine that so you have that line rock solid you could take a Kovalchuk and stick him on with McDavid. Like that could be pretty interesting, right? Absolutely, so, absolutely, right. So that because that line that that spot is open, and that's also a good way to entice people. Hey, you want to sign here? You can play on the how how I mean I know teams want Kovalchuk and he's looked well, but how many are going to offer him a spot on the top line? None, basically, and none of the other ones can offer him McDavid. That's for right. sure. So I, I could see the Oilers actually getting him i think i think that i've heard that the habs want a second round pick for him and that's just a rental so that's that's a bit of a steep price and that wouldn't be in line with holland uh but uh, it's it's worth watching for sure well i don't want to give too much credit to mark bergevin because i don't like him (laughs) we we reported on this show that he was in the bathroom when that happened right and and so i'm wondering who actually pulled the trigger on bringing kovachuk in because i again i i don't think bergevin has got that much brain mass in his head but regardless i mean if they get rid of him i mean he turned that into quite an asset in a couple of months and i guess the burning question is what why didn't they get this kind of productivity in los angeles out of kovachuk well, nothing's working in Los Angeles well, no, I, right I, now. But no, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there, not just generally for you. I'm just kind of spitballing. How can he be so, uh, you know, a factor in their lineup in Montreal, but in L.A., he was a healthy scratch like the last 10 games he was a member of the Kings. And I'm just, I, I just can't fathom. I like Todd McClellan as a coach. Um, you know, I've, I've, I know Ryan who I respect dearly, he probably would, I think he would agree with me that I'm not a big fan of Messrs. Robitaille and Blake in leadership roles in Los Angeles. I still have a connection to the Los Angeles Kings. I always will. I won money with the Los Angeles Kings in 2012 and 2014. They will always be one of my favorite teams because of that. But man, you, you talk about that proverbial change of scenery. Oh, I got to mention, I love that, that shirt, man. That is a great oh, shirt. Oh, thank you. Yeah. He's got a really cool Edmonton Oilers shirt on. I've never seen it before. I like it. Um, I just, you know, you talk about, you've always heard in sports about a guy needing a change of scenery. Well, my God, if there's a poster child for that this year in the National Hockey League, it's got to be Ilya Kovacuk. I think it's a similar thing to James Neal not getting the correct spot in Calgary last year. It was just, you can have a great guy, but if you just... You know, and it's it's kind of what the Oilers did wrong with Nail Yakupov, if you go back to. It's like, oh, well, like if you take the attitude that, oh, well, you haven't earned the top line or you're too young or something like that, 
oh, and, you know, that's what Dallas Aikens did wrong, especially with Yakupov. Okay, well, you can sit on the fourth line and rot there, and if you do really well, maybe you can work your way. Well, no, that's, you know, I appreciate you don't want people to be entitled or anything, but for a guy like that, you just, you have to put them and, and use them the correct way. It's just, sorry, I know it's not always fair to the other guys, but you want to put him in the spot where he's going to succeed and where he's going to help your team the most. And it's your responsibility as a coach to help figure out that configuration. And if you're just going to go with, you know, old school mentalities like, oh, you're just going to stick down there until you do something. Well, okay, but then you end up trading the guy for Milan Lucic and looking like a moron. Right. And everyone thinks you're just, you know, in the NHL because your dad, uh, you know, Brad Free Living. Yeah. So, you know, okay, well, good for you. You know, I, 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 you really showed us, you know, <laughs> thank you. Love Oilers. Yeah. Um, let's switch gears as we say hi again. And, and thank you for joining us on this 457th episode of unscripted. Uh, hope all is well. Um, I want to switch gears to the NBA and there were some deadline deals made this week. The NBA's trading deadline was Thursday, February the 6th. Um, I think it's it's uh, I think it's safe to say that two teams probably stood out more than others. The LA Clippers, they get Marcus Morris from the New York Knicks. That'll definitely help the LA Clippers. The Miami Heat brought Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder to South Beach. That will definitely help the Miami Heat. Is it enough to catch the Milwaukee Bucks in the East? I don't think so, but we'll see. Talking about the Bucks and the LA Lakers, the two uh, the two torch bearers, the two torch leaders right now in each respective division. The Bucks at forty four and seven going into their game tonight. The Lakers thirty eight and thirteen or something like that. They really didn't need to do anything, but both of these teams, it's being reported, could be healthy and players on the buyout market. Late Friday night, it was announced that the Milwaukee Bucks had um, signed. Marvin uh, Williams, late of the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte bought his contract out on Friday. He signs for the minimum for the rest of the year to add to the Milwaukee bench. That will certainly help. The Lakers are in discussion with former Pacers point guard Darren Collison, who retired last year and was seen sitting next to Jeannie Buss on Thursday's game in the Staples Center. That's the Mormon guy, right? Is that what he's, Mormon? No. Well, maybe. Yeah, no, isn't he the one we talked about on the show? I think it's him, and he... He retired so he could be a missionary or spend more time with oh, the church. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Now he's now he's figured that God doesn't pay much and uh, <laughs> he needs to get back into the NBA. He played college ball at UCLA, so that's the connectivity there to Los Angeles. Um, those are all fine and dandy, and uh, we can certainly talk about that. But what I want to talk to Chris about um, in this last segment, if you will, of, of uh, episode four fifty seven. I I have a question. Since the Toronto Raptors secured their franchise best 13th straight win on Friday over the Pacers, and with all of the injuries that they have incurred this year, Toronto has had a massive amount of injuries. Um, Pasquale Siakam has missed time. Mark Gasol has missed time and is on the injured list again. Same bad hamstring. Freddie Van Fleet has been on the injured list a number of times. Um, Kyle Lowry has been on the injury list, broke his finger, missed a number of weeks. And now last night got hurt last night with a case of whiplash. Um, this team, 
and remember, obviously, they lost Kawhi Leonard in um, free agency in July. So this team has been decimated by injuries. They lost the best player that was on their roster last year in Kawhi Leonard. We all knew that was going to happen, but I mean, it still, it happened. So you went into this season with lower expectations. But my God, folks, not only have they won 13 in a row now, they're right there. They're right now the number two seed in the East. And my question to Chris is, and I will have an answer to this, um, the easy answer, obviously, if the Bucks go on and win 70 games, you'd have to think that the coach of the year would be Mike Budenholzer of the Milwaukee Bucks. But I'm telling you, folks, if I had a vote, my vote might be for Raptors coach Nick Nurse because of all the obstacles, you're coming off a championship season. Look what happened to the Philadelphia Eagles the last couple of years. They've been in a, in a Super Bowl funk for two years since they won their Super Bowl. There's always kind of a, you know, a haze, uh, whatever you want to call it, when a, a team wins a championship and then the next year they get off to a bit of a lackadaisical start. Well, the Raptors not only didn't get off to a lackadaisical start, they had injuries. All those guys I mentioned, they found guys off their bench that I've never heard of, and I think I know the NBA pretty well. I mean, some of these guys, I, I've never heard of them. I swear to God. Chris Boucher the third, who the hell is he? He comes in and blocks shots and scores like he should be at the All-Star game in Chicago in a couple of weeks. But I want to know, and I want your opinion on this, with all the things I've just mentioned, can you literally, and I think you can, but I'd be interested, can you put, or maybe the better question is, does Raptors coach Nick Nurse deserve the coach of the year for the job that he's done this year in Toronto after everything they've had to work with and work against so far this season? You make a compelling case, and I'd have a hard time disagreeing with that. I mean, good for him. And I, it's just amazing that so much has worked out for the Toronto Raptors. They've been extremely fortunate. I mean, Ujiri makes that ridiculous trade for Kawhi Leonard, and it somehow pays off, even though they did lose him. They they won uh, the championship in that only year with him. And then he brings in Nick Nurse, which was very controversial, you know, when, yeah. when you have a coach that gets them better seven of eight years in a row. And all of a sudden now, yeah, now he's looking great too. So it's really worked out, which made it even more surprising that the uh, Knicks didn't actually get him in the end, it looks like, or have they officially... Well, I have a story for that be, after because this. Because they, they hired someone as a Yes, president. they have hired somebody, and I will talk about that, but I just wanted your okay. feelings on, on, no, on Nurse first. Yeah, I, how do you say anything bad about him? He's missing not just Kawhi, and even just missing Kawhi it was tough Absolutely. going into this year, never mind every, all the other injuries. So, I mean, I think that's why you should give... Coach, coach of the Year shouldn't just be whoever, whatever team has the most points, right? Coach of the Year should be... What did you have to work with and what did you get out of Agreed. it? Right. Agreed. It, sh it should be how much value you extracted, you know, per capita from your roster. And and that's what he's doing. And, uh, you know, I'm not as knowledgeable about the uh, NBA as you are, but I just I can't see how anyone else is getting more value than second in the East with none of your starters and your best player from last year moved across the country. I don't see how you could make that case. I, I agree. I, I uh, you know, obviously I'm biased and I'd like to see Mike Budenholzer get some votes and he'll get some votes. There's no question, especially if for some reason the Bucks end up winning 70 regular season games. But, um, you know, I, the job that Nick Nurse has done and he is the coach for Team Giannis 
uh, in the All-Star game in Chicago next week. And that's another, you know, feather in his cap. He's done a hell of a job. Give him credit. Um, Chris just nailed it on the head. He wasn't a popular choice when he was made the successor to Dwayne Casey in Toronto. And, um, you know, he did a hell of a job, I think, last year with all of the the uh, load management bullshit in regard to Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, you're working with a prima donna who's basically a hired gun. I mean, I think I think you could be Helen Keller and realize that no matter how attractive a package that Toronto was going to present, and I don't believe there was anything to make me not believe that Toronto didn't offer a very attractive package to make sure that he had the option of coming back to Toronto, but I just think it was a foregone conclusion, whether he was in San Antonio or Toronto, that in July of 19, Kawhi Leonard was going home. I think that's that's as clear as mud to me. I think that, you know, so about the Knicks, I have to, I have to get this in here and I know I'm running up against the clock, but I don't care. Um, two things with the Knicks this week. First of all, James Dolan came out and everybody that is a basketball fan or anybody that's at least heard the name James Dolan and James Dolan, if you didn't know, and you've been living under a rock, James Dolan also owns the New York Rangers. He owns Madison Square Garden. He's a wealthy guy. He comes out this week and says, and he is adamant that he isn't selling his Knicks. And to, and to show that he's still the guy in charge, he fired Knicks president Steve Mills this week and replaced him with player agent Leon Rose. Now, if you remember, the New York Mets did something very similar with their GM hire last year when they hired player agent Brady Van, whatever the hell his name is. This is the same kind of thing. Leon Rose is going to have to, like Rob Palinka in Los Angeles, he is going to have to get rid of any association that he has with current players in the NBA as he takes on the job as president of the New York Knicks, president of basketball operations for the New York Knicks. So he's second in charge in regard to the bas- the day-to-day basketball operations of the New York Knicks. Okay. Now, as a reminder, because you know I, I hate the Knicks, Love the colors, love the jerseys, hate the team. Um, they remind me of the Edmonton Oilers. Same kind of color scheme. Love the color scheme, hate the I've team. I've never thought of it like that. Well, just, you know. You know, blue and orange, yeah. Blue and orange. Um, in the last decade, as a reminder, as I mentioned, the Knicks have only made the playoffs three times. And as also I like to remember and remind Knicks fans, the last time you assholes won a championship, it was 1973 Richard Nixon was still in, was president of the United States, and we were in the middle of the Watergate scandal. It was the last time the New York Knicks won a championship, and that's ridiculous for a team that has an estimated value, a Forbes value, of almost $6 billion. Give me a break. Not only should James Dolan sell the team, he should sell his interest in the, in the Rangers and sell his interest in, the, in Madison Square Garden because the guy doesn't have a clue. He knows less than shit on Shinola, this guy. And my question here is simply this. Because of the non-success of the New York Knicks and the ongoing soap opera in their front office, and you have a free agent class last year of Kawhi Leonard and, and everything else and Kevin Durant, and they couldn't attract flies to come play for the team that's worth the most in the NBA, and they play in the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. My simple question is this. Are the Knicks the most dysfunctional team in all of professional sports? And my answer is an absolute yes. 
<laughs> well, I feel like I'd have to research that a bit more. But I mean, when it, if you want to go back to value, what I was talking about there and what Nick Nurse has gotten out of that team, if you look at it the other way, who has gotten the least right. value? Correct. I mean, when you have... And so your candidates for that are going to be the teams with the most revenue in the best markets, right? Bingo. And so in the NHL, it's going to be the Leafs, the Habs, and the Rangers. Bingo. Rangers. There you go again, there we go. by the way. Uh, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. James yeah, Dolan. Yeah. Knicks there, of course. Dallas Cowboys, of course. No real success for 25 years, even though they had lots of success for the early 90s there. But geez, nothing since then. So those are the teams you have to look at. There's just no excuse for really any of those teams for what they've done the last 25, 50 years. You're right? exactly right. The Leafs, no cups in 50 years. The 67. Habs, yeah, yeah. The Habs, what, one 93. cup in the last... Yeah, one cup in the last, what, 30 years? Last 20, I've been married 27 years. The last time, the last time the... Um, the last time the Canadians won a Stanley Cup was the year I got married, yeah. 1993. They won 93, 86, yep. and then a bunch in the 70s. Correct. Right. So they, they you know, okay, they, they should have done more in the last 30 years. But uh, okay, but uh, let's say let's say that at least they have one championship there. Uh, and then you've got the Rangers. Okay, one championship 25 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but and then nothing before that's in 1940. So in the last 80 years, the they Rangers won, have one cup. One cup, and that's in, right. In 80 years. That's right. Since that 1940, you, that's ridiculous. Sorry, when the Rangers, Habs, and Leafs combined for 83% of league revenues, sorry, you you're required to do better, right? And so with the with the Knicks, yeah, I mean they've got every they own their own arena and it's the most famous arena in the world, and it's the number one TV market, and it's the biggest city, and it's everything. You've got every advantage and you can't get free agents they can't they're they're avoiding it like the plague oh and it and it's james dolan yeah what 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 other constant is there <laughs> there isn't they just it's james it's dolan. james dolan it's james dolan right and i mean at some point buddy just go play in your fucking little band and just play your bass or whatever it is you do and just fuck off and just enjoy your money make some deal where you still get courtside seats or your own luxury box or something and I mean, if you want to hold on to the arena, I guess that doesn't really matter. But I mean, honestly, dude, just just sell the Rangers and the Knicks. Just I, do it. I got to tell you, and you you may find this funny because I think he is the greatest basketball player of all time. And you know where I'm going with this, and I'm talking about Michael Jeffrey Jordan. But I will say this: I think for the Charlotte Hornets, now they're in a different league in regard to the teams you just mentioned, oh, yeah. in regard to revenue, market size, and yada yada yada. But he may be, and in my opinion, he is the greatest basketball player of all time, but that doesn't automatically make you an owner. Michael Jordan as an owner has been terrible. Yeah. And wouldn't you think, and, and maybe it's a detriment to guys to go play in Carolina because the boss is quite conceivably the GOAT, the greatest of all time in regard to basketball. It'd be like if Wayne Gretzky owned, I don't know, the Calgary Flames, would they come because Wayne Gretzky is signing the checks? I don't know. But in this scenario, in regard to Jordan and basketball and ownership, just because a guy can shoot a ball, dribble a ball, and do whatever else they do with a basketball, um, that doesn't automatically mean that he's an Italian evaluator. It doesn't mean that he knows what the hell he's doing because Charlotte has not sniffed the playoffs Maybe a few times in under the under the uh, mentorship or under the ownership of Jordan, and again, I love Jordan. 
in my opinion, he's the best that's ever played on the court. But again, I take I take shots all the time at Messrs. Luke and Rob, uh, Blake and Robitaille in Los Angeles with the Kings. I took shots at at Magic Johnson for his 16-game tenure as the head coach of the Lakers. Just because you starred in a sport that made you millions of dollars doesn't mean that you can own or coach in that particular profession. And I truly believe, blasphemy as this may sound, blasphemous as this may sound to people in the great state of North Carolina, but I think it's time to bring in a different owner in Charlotte too because Jordan... You would think, I'm thinking at least, I'm thinking that a guy that won six titles in six chances, MVP, I don't know how many times, scoring titles, defensive player of the year, yada, yada, yada. But again, the biggest number is six championships in six tries, three times in a row, twice. But he can't get a team, his own team, he can't get into the playoffs. He can't even get him into the dance. Um, I don't know what his draft philosophy it is, because his last number of first-round draft picks, I go back to a couple of years ago, Frank Kaminsky. I know him because he played at University of Wisconsin. He's now in Phoenix. Um, why do you bring in a 39-year-old Tony Parker to play backup point guard last year? I just don't understand. And if anybody can tell me who the current general manager is, I mean, I know who it is. It's Mitch Kupchak, the former Laker general manager in, in Charlotte, but he must have zero power. Because everything is predicated when you see a news release in regard to the Charlotte Hornets, it's owner Michael Jordan, not general manager Mitch Kupchak or anybody else on his management staff. I, I love taking shots at James Dolan. It hurts me to take shots at Michael Jeffrey Jordan, but Jordan, to me, is not a good owner. You know, it's a really important point that you make here, Mike, and it's it's the whole idea that well, you know what? The best way to illustrate it is your buddy Mitch Hedberg, because he didn't. Oh, I like, love him, even though he's dead. Yeah, and now he didn't like how just because he was a stand-up comic, people would offer him acting roles, because he didn't think he could act at all. And I, I, I can see how I don't think he could. he's <laughs> a very unique dude. Looked like Kurt Cobain, talked like a total stoner, and just and you know, he had his act down cold. But and no, but you can't. You know, you can't steal Mitch Hedberg's jokes. Right. If someone, that's the thing. If you, someone else tries to do Mitch Hedberg, it's like, well, that's stupid. Right. But when he did it, it worked. And he was not an actor by any means. And he always compared it to, he said, it's like if you're a great chef and someone comes to you and is like, wow, you're a great chef. Can you farm? <laughs> it's like, no, I'm a chef. Like, you know, can you act? No, I'm a, I tell jokes. Like, fuck off. Right. So, and it's like that. Look. Don Cherry, terrible player. Bobby Orr, terrible coach. Wayne Gretzky, terrible coach. And Wayne Gretzky is the craziest one because Wayne Gretzky is the Michael Jordan of the NHL. And even more so in terms of, you know, the, the intelligence, and I know Michael was a smart player, but for Wayne, you know, Wayne wasn't nearly the athlete that Michael Jordan was. Wayne is by far the smartest hockey player of all time and maybe the smartest athlete of all time in terms of understanding his game Correct. i mean because he never had any wayne gritsky has zero physical advantages over other great hockey players like none right none yep height weight you know speed nothing power Agreed. nothing Agreed. he has nothing except his brain right, right? And, and great set of hands yeah well okay and, and there's lots of practice but were his hands way i mean you could make the case they were some of the better hands for sure I don't, maybe were they sometimes, I don't know. I don't know if they, they were never as dominant as 
like, you know, nowadays people say, oh, wow, like Patrick Kane's hands or before Pavel Datsuk's hands. I don't think, and maybe some people disagree, and I love Wayne, but I don't know if anyone ever had Wayne in that category where he would just, like, you didn't see a lot of end-to-end rushes with Wayne. True. Right? He, Very true. You know, he said his whole philosophy is what his dad taught him, go where the puck is going, not where it's been, and he just knew how to anticipate. He was almost like Dennis Rodman with rebounds. Like, he just knew where it was going. Great analogy. Right? He knew where it was going, and he was just smarter, and he outthought everybody, and that was it. But even Wayne Gretzky was a bad coach. And it's because even as smart as he was, and even how much he relied on thinking, it's still so much instinctive and just practice 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 from the time you're young and you can't teach instinct there you you go right there right and you can teach some of this other stuff you can teach stick handling and and you know good practice techniques and all this stuff and good habits but geez i mean if wayne gretzky can't teach guys how to be wayne gretzky then nobody can teach anyone how to be anyone worthwhile because for him it was just he just did it you think it's fair to say i know we got to run but i don't care do you think it's fair to say when you mention the athletes we've just mentioned, Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, um, Bobby Orr, Bobby Orr, Don Cherry, Don? Well, no, I'm, I'm, I mean I'm, he was the other way around, right? But, but let's just say with the, those three, let's go with Jordan and uh, Gretzky and Bobby Orr. Let's go with those three. I think one thing that maybe a lot of people, and I, I got to put Magic Johnson in this category too, in regard to. They were unbelievable on their respective playing field, but off the playing field, they couldn't uh, translate what they were trying to get across to their troops. I think there's one thing about those four athletes that we've just mentioned that I don't know if a lot of people put this into the category of the superlatives that they talk about when you talk about these guys. But one thing I think gets overlooked a lot, and it's not a pun intended of what I'm going to say here, but the vision that those guys had. It looked to me, and I was closest, obviously, to Jordan. I saw Jordan play a lot of basketball on TV and in person back in in my day. My day, listen to that. Um, But the vision that Gretzky, I mean, I I would imagine Gretzky, Bobby Orr, these these four individuals, Magic Johnson with some of the passes, obviously he saw things that a normal guy wouldn't see on a basketball floor or on an ice surface. I think that's one thing we don't, we mentioned speed, we, the intangibles, the speed, the power, the big, the big shot in hockey, um, you know, they're, they're, all the different invariables. And as we get more into a, you know, the, the uh, what is it, sabermetrics or whatever, analytical kind of stuff in, in sports today. But I think that the thing that makes the great ones great and the mediocre guys or middle of the pack guys just that is the way that those superstars see the game. They see it, in my opinion, they see it on a different level. Yeah. There are things that Wayne Gretzky, when he's coming down the ice, and like you say, he didn't he didn't lead a lot of rushes, but when he did, he was always, seeming to me, he was always looking for an angle. And he could see angles that other yahoos couldn't. And I think that's very prevalent when you're talking about Jordan, because one of the things that made him the great defensive player that he was, was that he would sneak up behind guys and just you know either block their shot from the back or steal the ball from them because they're not paying attention and they I don't know how you forget Michael Jordan's on the floor but obviously players did ask John Starks um I just think the vision of those kind of guys is a difference maker and I don't and I don't know how you translate that as they try to coach up these 
guys that were working underneath him. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, you can't teach vision. And you, if you compare it to baseball, then you look at Pete Rose or Ted Williams. There's no way they could teach the eye for the ball like that. I mean, Ted Williams, the famous story of how he could tell that the angle right. that they drew the line from home plate to first was off by Correct. a millimeter or whatever. You know, yes. Yes. you can't teach that. It's not possible. The interesting one that I'm looking forward to seeing, if he can do better than all these other superstars when it comes to smart athletes is Peyton Manning. If he decides to go into some form of coaching, I would be interested to see what he could do because I feel like he'd just be like Gretzky, like, geez, just thinking like they're trying to teach guys and then just being like, man, these guys are stupid. You know, like, why can't they just learn like I did? And uh, so I would be interested. I, I kind of think that Peyton Manning will try to go into broadcasting or be the next Tony Romo or something. But if he decided to go with coaching, it would be interesting if he could buck the trend because, yeah, Orr and Gretzky and Michael Jordan, when it comes to coaching or owning, they just haven't been able to make that leap and, and transpose and transcribe what they did on their playing surface to management. And, uh, you know, it's too bad. And maybe someone will do it, and maybe it's Peyton Manning. But if it's not Peyton Manning, then it's basically going to be nobody because we've seen all the best ever try to do it and fail. We do have to run. I've gone long, but again, I don't care. And as long as Chris doesn't care, I've got no problem. But we do have to run on this 457th episode of Unscripted. We thank you, as always, for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. I just have it written down here, and I'm going to keep this bad boy, Bassett Howen in a suit. I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you could you could make that transcend to a lot of people, not just Vince McMahon. Um, again, we've got to run. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.